So a couple of things before we get started. Um, first of all, I am getting ready to start back up Pastor's Roundtable, not this coming Monday, but the following Monday, October 7th, 12 o'clock in the conference room. That is open to anybody that wants to come and chat about the scripture for the next coming um, week's sermon, and it doesn't require prep. It's not really a Bible study. It's just a time to, to kind of spend an hour in scripture and just reflect and see what it might have to say to us. So would love for you to join us, and it's the kind of thing that if you can't be there every week, that's fine. Come when you can. Um, I also want to just say welcome if you happen to be here this morning because someone in our church invited you to come. Last week I encouraged us to reach out and to invite a friend to come with us. And so I want to continue to do that every Sunday and invite you um, to look in your sphere of influence to see if there is someone who might really love to come and get to know who Boone United Methodist Church is and to have the same kind of experience and relationships that you have. And so I encourage you to continue to look around and see who it is that you might invite and come and meet or even bring to church and come and worship with us. Now, it isn't often that I get to start a sermon with a living illustration, but this morning we get to do just that. And I'm sorry that Andy Harkins, our lay leader, isn't able to be with us this morning, but he and I um, have, uh, uh, not resurrected, but um, participated this year in the Laity Service Award. Um, This church has been a while since we've done that, and we are thrilled to be able to uh, begin that tradition again. And so that's an honor that our district offers to any lay folk that show above and beyond service to their church uh, and their community. And so we're thrilled to have two nominees this year, and I want to invite um, Elizabeth Shukas and Dan Krantz to come forward this morning. Oh, I love it. Just come right on up here. So we honor Liz Shukas as a way of saying thank you for your hard work um, in the coordination and meal preparation for weekly community meals throughout the year, particularly this past year, but also for coordination of VBS, for chairing our family life uh, committee for a couple of years, several years. She has planned church-wide meals, including the Thanksgiving dinner each year, as well as the back-to-school bash and our Fat Tuesday Festival. Boone UMC is grateful for the many hours that Elizabeth has devoted throughout the years to setting up, cleaning up, planning, and preparing and organizing dozens of volunteers for all of these events. Her heart for hospitality is evident in everything that she does. Dan Krantz has also served in numerous ways, including helping to provide provide leadership for confirmation uh, for uh, both by teaching classes, providing incredible tech support, and mentoring students. In addition, he also served as lay leader for the congregation. He also has participated in the Living Last Summer drama. He assists with Club 45 and Vacation Bible School as well. We're grateful for the humility, the giftedness, and the servant's heart that Dan has offered not only our children's program, but other ministries of Boone United Methodist as well. So we invite you to accept this small, small token of our appreciation. 
they are receiving a certificate and a laity service awards pin um, for the many ways, just the many ways that both of you have uh, exhibited a servant's heart and served um, faithfully this church of uh, Boone United Methodist. So join me in thanking them. So we do continue our sermon series today on Ambitious Church, and yes, our topic is service this week. This typically is one of Boone UMC's strong points, but in spite of that, let's hear what scripture has to teach us this morning. So the spirit moved me, and it's a little bit different than what's printed in your bulletin, but I'll start with 1 Peter verses four, chapter 4, verses 8 through 11. And this morning, I'm actually reading from the NIV version. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in his various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. And then from Matthew 20, verses 20 through 28. Then the mother of Zebedee's son came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked a favor of him. What is it you want, Jesus asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I am going to drink? We can, James and John answered. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my father. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Friends, this is God's word for all of God's people. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So when I think back to my formative years as a teenager and a young adult, I believe that service, uh, 
service to others had one of the highest impacts on helping to shape my young faith. Particularly as a college student at the Wesley Foundation in Chapel Hill, I remember those experiences. I remember going on mission trips to Puerto Rico to help rebuild a Methodist camp after Hurricane Hugo. I remember going to Atlanta and experiencing for the first time eating meals with homeless men and women. I can remember going to the Dominican Republic and helping to build a school there and do a VBS with the children. And I can remember distinctly going to Miami and working and worshiping with the Haitian people there. All of those experiences, I can remember with such detail to this day because they had such high impact on me in helping to form and shape uh, my ability to learn what it means to love God fully and to learn what it means to love my neighbor, especially my neighbor who doesn't look or act very much at all like me. Maybe this is true for you as well. Maybe those formative experiences as you were becoming a follower of Jesus wasn't a worship experience and it wasn't reading the Bible or a Bible study, but it was a service experience. It was an opportunity to serve someone else because the uh, service is a powerful tool in helping to build community and strengthening our faith it is an opportunity, in fact, to live our lives like Jesus modeled for us to live. And oftentimes it's in those acts of service that scripture comes alive and becomes real for us. So I want to be hyper-focused this morning and simply make two points about the ambitious church that is fruitful and faithful through service. First of all, Christ-like service functions to help build up the community. Secondly, at the heart of Christ-like service is humility. So let's dig a little bit deeper into scripture to help make these two points this morning, building up the community and humility as foundational. So the first Peter passage speaks to building up the community, and it does this in a couple of different ways. And I love verse 8 because in many ways it's like a New Testament proverb. Love covers a multitude of sins. As we talked several Sundays in this series over the last past weeks, it is not easy to be the church, to be in community. And this verse reminds us that none of us have reached perfection yet. And so as others do things that do the opposite of building up, but in fact can tear down the community, love is the answer to overcoming those hiccups, those wounds or shortcomings that we experience in one another. So with that as our foundation, then we can begin to grasp what else this text is saying to us. This idea that God has indeed gifted every single one of us with gifts. <coughs> and that in fact, God calls us to be good stewards of these gifts. That these gifts are given to us, these abilities are given to us, not to just be used on ourselves, or worse yet, to not be used at all. But because we are all given different gifts, this variety is intended to be our unique contribution to building up the community of faith. If we all had the same gifts, then there would be some serious gaps. So 
Consider our opening illustration. Liz and Dan both help build up the community of faith, but they do so in very different ways. Liz so clearly has the gift of hospitality, and she doesn't bat an eye at planning a meal for 200 people where I would die trying to figure out how to to pull all of that together, not burn down the church by setting on a fire, or to have not enough or too much food. Like the thought of that completely stresses me out. Not for her. She takes that with a grain of salt and a lot of work. Dan, he shows the gifts of shepherding and helps. He's happy to be behind the scenes, making things come together, and yet connecting one-on-one with young folks in order to help nurture their faith in Jesus. Different gifts, both helping to build up the faith community. Important to note here is that Peter's making the point that God intends these gifts that God gives us to, in fact, build up the community of faith. Did you catch that difference? While it's important to serve beyond the church walls and in the community and to serve the stranger, it is also critically important that we build up the community of faith inside the church walls. Because if we neglect the care of our community of growing disciples, then we will actually struggle to make a high impact in the community or world beyond. And you know what? If I'm being honest with you, this may be the very first church that I've ever served where I didn't have to push people beyond the church walls. We do that really well here. And maybe even sometimes to the neglect of serving one another within the church walls. Like Liz and Dan, how are you using your gifts to build up and strengthen the Boone United Methodist Church community, to strengthen the disciples that are traveling with us for this season of their journey to be deeper Jesus followers? How are you um, serving and strengthening the ministries of the church as well as nurturing the relationships within Boone United Methodist Church? Because both of those, both of those are really important. So this brings me to the second point. The teaching from Matthew has, um, helps us kind of keep this perspective regarding our motivation for serving. We can go through the actions, right? We can do all the right things, but we can do them for all the wrong reasons. And so Jesus reminds us that humility is this key attitude for genuine Christ-like service. And he does this in a couple of ways. So in this story, we see a couple of shall we say, overconfident disciples whose response to Jesus proves that they are motivated by power and achievement and um, works and not humility. But Jesus also makes the point from 1 Peter that love covers a multitude of sins, including overconfident disciples. So Jesus also teaches us that if you, in fact, desire to be great then you must have a servant's heart because without a servant's heart, you cannot be great in God's kingdom. So whatever gift or gifts that you've been given to build up the community, those gifts should be used with humility. Otherwise, otherwise we can find ourselves serving others for the sake of making ourselves look good, to be self-serving instead of a humble servant. Finally, Matthew reminds us that Jesus is the ultimate example of a servant. 
He who is divine coming to liberate all of humanity from our sins. Notice how Matthew's gospel, in Matthew's gospel, Jesus calls himself son of man, not son of God. Because in God's economy, humility is more highly valued than power or strength. And this is a hard lesson for James and John. Because you see, James and John's request looks something like this. Imagine if Jesus's ministry is like a campaign trail, right? A campaign for office. And James and John are working so hard for Jesus out on that campaign trail. And so of course their expectation is that they're going to get a pretty good place in Jesus's future cabinet. But Jesus explains to them that even though, even though they have done good work, there may be someone more deserving of those choice seats. Because humility is the critical value here, not being powerful, not achieving, not even being highly influential. In fact, Jesus' only valid ambition is to serve as faithfully as possible. So what does that look like for you to serve as faithfully as possible? When I thought about that this week, it is completely um, intertwined with my calling, my calling in ministry. And I've had folks ask me throughout the years, so where do you see yourself in five years from now with your ministry career? And my answer is always the same. I see myself exactly where God needs me most. Wherever, wherever God has placed me, that's where I want to be. And currently God has placed me here at Boone UMC and I am so thankful to be in the high country. I am so thankful to be serving side by side with each one of you. That's what it means for me. But what does serving as faithfully as possible mean or look like for you? So pediatrician David Cerchiera shares a story about a small child in his church who helped teach their church a lesson about the beauty and the power of uh, faithful service. And so his wife was a Sunday school teacher and she was teaching the kids about how important it is that everybody has a contribution to make. Everybody has something to offer. And the kids were, were, were really soaking this in, the sense that everybody is useful in some way. And when she was done, there was kind of a moment of silence. And then a little hand went up and Sarah, little Sarah said, um, but what can I do? Because I don't really know how to do much of anything that's useful. And it kind of threw the teacher off guard, but she noticed a vase um, on the windowsill that was empty. She said, Sarah, you can bring a flower and place into that vase. And that would be wonderful. And Sarah goes, but that doesn't sound very important. And the teacher said, it is important if it is helping someone else. And so that very next Sunday, Sarah came in faithfully and placed a dandelion in that little vase. And she did it every Sunday afterwards. Didn't need to be prompted, didn't need to be reminded. She came in every Sunday and made sure that there was a little yellow flower um, in that vase. Well, eventually the Sunday school teacher told the pastor what was going on and about Sarah's faithfulness. So he moved the the vase to beside the pulpit. And that very Sunday, he preached a sermon around the importance of serving others. 
Also that week, Sarah's mom began to notice that she just didn't look like she was feeling well, that something was wrong. So she called Dr. David. They set up some appointments, and Sarah came in for a battery of tests and um, lots of examinations. And then he sat there a few days later in shock with the results in his lap. And Sarah had, uh, was diagnosed with a form of cancer. So he decided he would go home that day and stop by Sarah's house to talk to her parents personally. And he did. And he said that was the hardest conversation that he'd ever had to tell them that because of Sarah's genetic background and the kind of cancer that she had, that she was not going to be able um, to fight this for very long. And so Sarah continued, time went on. She continued to bring the flower until she was unable to come to church anymore. So then she was dependent on folks coming to her. Um, And eventually the parents called Dr. David and said, it doesn't look good, could you stop by? And he did, and he said, you know what? You need to spend as much time with her as you can. That was a Friday. Sunday in church, Dr. David's like, ugh, the music, the sermon, it all felt hollow to him because all he could think about was Sarah. And at the very end of the sermon, the pastor stops, looks up in the back with a surprised expression on his face, and everyone turns to look to see what is he looking at. And there's Sarah and her parents, and they've brought her to church. She's wrapped up in a blanket, and in her little hand is a dandelion. So she doesn't sit on the back row. She walks all the way up to the front of the church. She places the dandelion in the vase and a little piece of paper. And of course, after the service, everyone just surrounds the family, um, pours as much love and care as they possibly can on them. Four days later, Sarah passes away. So they're at the funeral, and everyone is just so sad at this loss. But the pastor calls Dr. David over to the side. He says, you know what? I think you need this for the line of work you're in. This may be helpful to you. And he hands, her, he hands him the piece of paper that Sarah had left beside the vase that last Sunday. And on it, written in pink crayon, it says, Dear God, this vase has been the honor of my life. Sarah. And in that moment, Dr. David learned what it meant to serve others. Learned that by serving others, we honor God. He learned that powerful lesson from a little girl um, who faithfully, faithfully brought that flower every day that she could. You see, I don't know why this story gets me, but it does. But it tells us some important lessons. Because Sarah was both an example of someone who helped build up the community of faith through her faithful service of honoring God by reminding that church family of God's beauty through just a simple, tiny little weed of a flower. But that gesture also exemplified her humility in not needing to have the most important job of the church, not even drawing attention to her faithfulness every week. But she did it because it allowed her to honor God and to honor her church family. That dandelion offering was her gift to build up her church family. So I ask you, how are you currently serving that builds up the community of faith? Because friends, it is so important that we build up because the world around us does enough tearing down that 
we don't need to participate in that either. But what kind of service do you do that builds one another up, that reminds one another that love covers a multitude of our sins? And secondly, if humility is the key to Christ-like service, then is your service motivated by humble service or self-service? I invite you to take some time this morning to do a little bit of a gut check to make sure that your service is done in a way that emulates Jesus, not to make yourself look great. Instead, let's operate in God's economy where putting others above self is the norm, not the exception. And let's give thanks that Jesus, that Jesus put his love for us and his desire to serve us over everything else. Lord, give us your servant's heart and use us for your loving service. And all of God's children said, amen.